Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You're listening to Work Thrive, a podcast for entrepreneurial women redefining the meaning of work. And I'm your host, Katie Glenn. In each episode, you will hear candid conversations with female founders, movement makers, and thought leaders to help you navigate success on your own terms. So let's get started. Hey, 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 welcome, welcome. We are back with another episode. And I know you're thinking, Katie, where on earth have you been? I know, I've been a little bit inconsistent and I'll be the first person to put my hands up and say, I haven't been publishing podcast episodes every week. And this is the reality of somebody who is incredibly busy now in her full-time job, incredibly busy with clients because of her business, trying to balance a podcast, trying to balance YouTube, trying to do all the things all whilst trying to take care of herself and be mindful of the fact that we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Like who taught me to do all the things, please? Who? Who? I don't know. But that's it. This is the reality of managing a full-time job with a business and other side projects. At some point you drop the ball and I'm, I'll be the first person to say that I have dropped the ball here. And don't worry, I am working on building a system to make sure that this is streamlined so this doesn't happen again and we can maintain our consistency. So without laboring way too much, today in the guest chair, we have Mo Tim, founder of The Happiness Planner, an inspirational stationary brand designed to help people become happier by mastering the art of positive thinking, mindfulness, gratitude, and personal development. Mo and I talk about her own personal development journey, how she turned a blog into a global personal development stationary company, and the importance of redefining happiness for ourselves. We also talk about how Mo has navigated the tech industry, having now developed the Happiness Planner app. Mo shares candidly how she managed to fund the Happiness Planner, some of the hardest lessons she's learned along the way, and how she's navigating the world of entrepreneurship and tech. I really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we both did. Tell me a little bit more about yourself and how the concept of the Happiness Planner came about. Yeah, so 
Well, I was born in Thailand with a father who is extremely into personal development. And so growing up, you know, he was my life coach, my mentor. He introduced me to a lot of self-help books. So I started reading, you know, motivational books when I was little. And I've always also always loved stationery design, like packaging design, beautiful paper and colors and graphic design. So I've always thought that like one day really wanted to start an inspirational brand, but I didn't really know exactly what I would do until several years ago. So now it would have been seven years ago when I started an inspirational blog. And initially it was just, you know, a place that I wanted to keep all the inspirational quotes and like my thoughts and life lessons that I learned. But then the the blog started getting a lot of followers and I started sharing my articles with publications online and they loved my articles. So I kind of got to a point where I started receiving a lot of emails from my readers saying that they love the blog and so on. So I asked them if I could write about one thing that makes your day, what should I write about? And a lot of people actually replied and surprisingly they said, that they wanted to learn more about how they could be more positive and happier. Mm-hmm. So initially, my blog was just focusing on entrepreneurship, you know, just motivational stuff, because I was trying to motivate myself, basically. <laughs> but <laughs> when people said that they wanted to learn more about how they could be more positive and happier, I was like, oh, wow, interesting, you know, because I never thought that that's what people struggle with. But because they said that, I started digging into it and like, kind of looking around and and understanding like, oh, you know, like people really struggle with like managing their thought patterns and, you know, their emotional patterns and just trying to keep themselves positive and happy and trying to be more self-aware is something that a lot of people were not encouraged to do. So yeah, I try to design a tool that could help people with all of these things. Amazing. But there are so many avenues that you could have taken, you know, your enthusiasm for personal development. What made you decide that planning and journaling tools would be the best opportunity for you to pursue? My dad was really into journaling. So he always encouraged me to keep a journal. And he always told me to learn to enjoy my solitude and used the time that I am alone at home to observe my thoughts and like try to understand who I am so that's how I started learning about the benefits of journaling and how it could really help you become more self-aware and just be able to turn your life experiences into wisdom you know through self-reflection and as in planning you know I've always been quite ambitious I think that's in my nature and my dad is also a He's like a high achiever. You know, he achieved a lot of things and he was passionate about whatever he put his mind to. And he taught me about having a winner's attitude Mm. and how to manipulate your subconscious mind to like make you believe that you could achieve something and then, you know, win the award or whatever. So I started, you know, like planning and like um, practice like positive affirmations or like visualization, you know, just like Mm -hmm. visualizing myself winning school comms and started doing that thing when I was little and everything that I put my mind to, I achieved them. So I, I guess that's how I came up with the idea for like, you know, planning and journaling and these two things could really help you become more self-aware and also mm. instill self-belief within yourself. Amazing. 
I find that a lot of the times we can get like really stuck in our own heads when we have an idea and it's incredible how you've combined your enthusiasm for personal development, but also your practical and your own personal journey in journaling. What steps did you take to go from concept to having an actual brand or actual product? Yeah. So I have to say, though, that like since when I was a kid, so I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and have my own business because my dad is an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know exactly what that business idea was for me, like literally from the age of 10 until until when I had the idea for the happiness planner. And I spent all my time trying to figure out the business idea. And literally, it's the answers from people who follow my blog that like yeah. actually told me that that's the problem that I need to come up and I need to come up with a solution to solve that problem for people. So when I had that idea, I had the idea just around before Christmas. So, and then I started doing more research, you know, about happiness, positive thinking, psychology, and, and about like creating a planner <laughs> and yeah. like, you know, like what, how do people use planners, like the layout book design I never did book design before so I had to mm -hmm. to do that and so basically that took about I would say four months of design until I got the final file of the first version wow and you mentioned that you knew that you always wanted to be an entrepreneur from the influence of your dad and um, I'm in the same position I always knew that I wanted to own something and I always wanted to have my own sort of business or idea come to life because of I've watched my dad do the same thing. And I find that a lot of people, we, when we know that that's what we want, we kind of struggle a little bit, especially when we can't really find the idea or we haven't really come up with the idea just yet. And so because we know that this is what we really want to do, we kind of struggle until we have really found that idea that we've latched onto. How did you, I guess cope with or manage your own expectation in terms of knowing that you wanted to be an entrepreneur, knowing that you wanted to have your own business, but not being able to come up with the idea for a while that would actually enable you to fulfill that dream? Yeah, it was quite frustrating, to be honest. And like, I'm full of ideas. Even now, I still have ideas. Like all my close friends hear my new ideas every week. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But, you know, it's just like, what do I actually take actions on? But mm. And, like, you know, there are a lot of people, like, your friends, if they're not entrepreneurs, they usually often shut your ideas down and think, you know, this is how it's not going to work, right? So I felt like I was discouraged a few times, you know, with different ideas. I didn't feel like it was that frustrating, but I kind of knew, I was like, one day it's going to come. Yeah, I just knew that one day it was going to come. I didn't really know what exactly that was. I knew it was going to be something around motivational stuff. It's going to mm -hmm. be something that's beautiful and I can write, I can design, and people are going to love it. <laughs> yeah, I completely, I completely get that frustration. I think when you're entrepreneurial, it's, it's very important that the people you have around you, or at least you learn to guard yourself a little bit because... The reality is the people who don't have the dream that you do or they don't really understand it, it may not always be bad intentions. It's just that they don't understand it. So it's really important that we learn to guard ourselves from those, you know, those disappointment or people like rejecting our ideas and just continue to search for it. One of the things that I've learned is 
I think for me, the thing that I'm supposed to be doing or I find that a lot of, of entrepreneurs should be doing um, or entrepreneurial people is combine the thing that you're really passionate about to a problem that you want to solve in the world kind of thing. So it's like you've been really passionate about personal development, happiness, self-development and management and journaling. And the issue that a lot of your readers were were struggling with was they, they didn't have a sort of standardised way of managing their own happiness and dealing with their own day-to-day living. And you've managed to combine those things. So yeah, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Going back to business then, what has been the most important aspect of scaling your brand? Because I know you said it took about four months to sort of get the design and the idea rolling, but you're now not only just an online business, but you've also have it in different different stores across the UK, across the, quite frankly, across the world. How have you managed to scale your business idea? Yeah, I would say I contribute the success of the brand on my marketing skill. <laughs> I've always loved marketing since when I was little. Like since when I was 10, I started reading business magazines and I knew that marketing and branding was what I loved the most about business. And yeah, so I would say like before I even started it, well, first of all, when I moved to Australia, my first job, I decided to become a music festival promoter. And I didn't know anyone, but I knew that I was good at marketing and I felt mm-hmm. like I would be able to get people to go to the club. So that was kind of like the first, I would say the first entrepreneurial journey that I did on myself or on my own. And I felt like I proved to myself that I could sell or build a brand, even though mm-hmm. that was my personal brand. So when I launched the Happiness Center, I just kind of knew you know, like I, I knew where the people are, who they are, how I would reach out to them or how I would attract, how I would attract them, you know, make my brand become attractive to them and to the retailers that I want to stock my product. So, yeah, I would say that that's how I, you know, it started going viral, you know, and yeah. how I was able to make it like a desirable item. Just, I think, understanding who your customers are and like know how to reach them. More like how to attract them. I think that's the key to the branding and marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And did you sort of release anything digitally on your blog before you did the Happiness Planner? Or was it, you know, you collected the feedback from your readers and then you built something and sort of fed it back to that specific audience? Or did you really just build it all from that feedback, initial feedback you had from them? And then sort of yeah. saw how it was how it was progressing. Yeah. So the the blog post started doing really well, and that basically that was the first time that I realized that that was my purpose in life. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I love all those quotes and like writing and sharing my my wisdom. <laughs> but yeah, when I started receiving emails from people saying that they loved my writing, that's when I was like, wow, this is my purpose in life. So I already had. I would say before I took the plunge to, to get everything printed, I had about a thousand emails of oh, people wow. that, yeah, that said that they would love to buy the happiness planner if I was to print, to print it. So that kind of gave me the courage to get it printed. Yeah, that's incredible because you you built the community before you ever released anything, and I mean through your blogs, you probably were giving away just free content for so long. 
you kind of had them hooked, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. We talked about having to go through the process of designing and manufacturing. As a product-based business, how did you fund the happiness planner in the beginning? Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't really good with my, you know, financial management. And I was in, you know, junior job before. So I didn't earn a lot of money. I actually took a loan from my father. I borrowed him $20,000 and I had to pay back with 5% interest. <laughs> um, yeah, so that kind of covered the first print run and, you know, some money that I needed to get the business going, like incorporating the business and and all that. So, yeah. Oh, wow. And in terms of how you manage the funds now, I imagine you have someone who looks at that. Yeah. So now we've just been basically reinvesting everything back into the business. I don't really take anything out, to be honest. And when I, you know, this year, like, honestly, when I like moved to the U.S., like for like for sure, like I've just been in and out, but like I'm going to, to be based in the U.S. more this year from this year onwards. And I'm going to start building a team and like raising money as well, because especially now that we have an app, well, we've had the app for a long time, but it wasn't as great as what it is now. And, mm -hmm. you know, because we never raised money, you know, basically I just use the money that we earn from paper sales to, to build the app. And it's taken a really long time to make the app as sophisticated as it is now. So I'm pretty excited about the app and kind of want to grow it because it's just much more scalable and I can do it in, well, we can do it in like multiple languages and worldwide. And so, yeah, I'm really excited to dig in and, you know, really feel like I need to push myself as well. If I just keep bootstrapping, I can just grow at like a turtle pace. So mm -hmm. I feel like I re I'm ready to really push for growth and be pressured to <laughs> to really <laughs> grow the business like massively. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the app because you've now entered, I guess you've entered the world of tech. How have you navigated that? You know, how have you navigated the process of building that app? And what sort of challenges did you face on that journey? Yeah. So when we first launched the paper and like, it was like the 100 day version. So 100 days gone by, people came back and said they, the products are effective. They become a lot happier as a result of using it. So I was like, wow, the concept works. This system that I created works. I want to turn this into an app, you know, so it's much more scalable. So I find, well, I found a UX UI designer in New York and I had a meeting with him, took the book with me, said to him, can you please turn this book and the pages into a mobile app for me? So he turned the design, you know, into like wireframes for the app. And then, you know, a friend of mine happened to be, to have a, a mobile development agency in Japan. So I decided to work with him. It took a really long time, like honestly, about six months to get the first version out. And then a lot of people were so excited about it. They downloaded the app and then they were like, oh, this feature is missing, this feature is missing. Realized that the important feature that was missing was calendar sync function. People want our calendar to sync with Google Calendar or Apple Calendar. So I'm like, all right, got to get that done. Costed a lot more money to get that done in a long time as well, several months. And when we got that calendar sync function developed, 
we announced it and then turned out the calendar sync wasn't working properly. So it was extremely buggy. So a lot of people like stopped using the app again. So <laughs> it's just been a really long journey of building one feature at a time. And then you find out that there are bugs and then you have to like, you know, re-architect everything. Yeah, that's why I'm like, okay, now finally this year, like the bugs are not there anymore. And like the app's working great. Mm. And I'm excited to like really dive in. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, before the happiness planner, I I read that you had a small business for drop shipping inspirational Mm -hmm. posters. Yeah. Outside of that, I'm guessing you hadn't much experience in building a business, right? How have you handled this very unknown territory? Well, for me, like I said, marketing is easy for me, but what, what was challenging for me was manufacturing logistics operational stuff it took me a really long time to find my supplier and I was about to give up so yeah I I honestly went to my dad again I'm like dad like I don't know if I can do this it's too hard like I know marketing but everything else I just don't know and he was like well you learn how to play the piano really well that took you such a long time and you could do that I don't think this is harder than that Mm -hmm. that is something that like I keep reminding myself with like when I face something that's new and I don't know what to do and how hard it is and I just think about how I learned to play the piano and and how I overcame that <laughs> and I'm like yep I can learn anything now I just just have to dig in <laughs> yeah, yeah it's that notion of challenging one thing at a time kind of and I think a lot of I guess founders or just as as women we sometimes feel like we need to like know it all all at once Mm. and we've got to have all the answers and know how to do every single thing at every single step and one of the things Mm -hmm. that I've realized is that I really don't know a lot and that's okay Mm -hmm. I just have to take that journey of slowly learning how to do one Mm -hmm. thing at a time I mean I think it was Oprah that says focus on the next right move because so many times we get so overwhelmed by trying by the bigger picture and we get we just we just really struggle to find our ground because everything just seems just unreachable yeah and I to be honest I feel like there's actually a lot of benefits of not knowing and just learning everything on the go because if you already know how to do something, sometimes you know what worked years ago and it's mm-hmm. not what's going to work in the future. And sometimes it's just in your head and it keeps you stuck there in that old, old way of thinking, you know. But if you don't know how it works, then you just keep learning new things. So I think that's that's the benefit of not knowing how to do something and just learning on the go. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's I think we have to be open to things changing as well especially in the world that we live in things are constantly changing ways of working are constantly changing I mean marketing now looks completely different from marketing 10 years ago so it's those things that we have to keep ourselves open to that even the things that we do know may be subject to change and just being open to that reality yeah definitely So I think we live in a world, especially where people aren't really open to sharing their mistakes and their failures. But one of the things that I've learned is that mistakes and failures are both necessary for growing. And my journey through journaling has sort of helped me in that. Uh, I can look back at my journals now and see some of the mistakes that I've made. And now I can say, actually, that was information that I needed 
to learn something different or to apply knowledge differently. Could you tell us a little bit about maybe a particular mistake or mishap you have made either in your career or specific to your business that you have since learned and grown from? Yeah, well, there are a lot of things. You know, I would say like maybe in the beginning, I was trying to save money. I didn't use an accountant to help me with business structuring, you know, and then later on, I had to like deal with all the mess that I created myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that costed more money down the road or, you know, like dealing with shipping. I guess like there's always something that, you know, going to come up. It just, you just get better and you just get better at managing your own stress as well and just kind of realize that like, yeah, this is going to be something you just, just be prepared and just handle it and don't be too stressed out and don't take it out on your employees. (laughs) (laughs) So how have you, and I know specifically probably a lot of women, we kind of take mistakes and failures very personally to the point that it can set us back. Have you ever found that, that you've taken a particular mistake or anything so personally that you've struggled with moving forward? And how did you move forward? Yeah, I think because I kind of understand how my mind works pretty well, I kind of manipulate my mind that like, oh, you know, like just move on and think about something too much and try to focus on a positive. If something goes wrong, I try to instantly think about what I've learned from it. And and that really helped me pick myself up and um, not dwell on the mistake. Yeah, it's really important that, yeah, we don't dwell too much because because it can become a bit of a hindrance to us moving forward so I completely completely agree with that you mentioned having a team earlier what I want to know is how has the quality of your team contributed to the success of your business and how did you navigate from going from a one-woman band to expansion with a quite a remote team yeah actually we've gone on quite a journey with you know, having a team. So it was me in the first year and it kind of got really busy. I started having an assistant and then came across another girl. I started thinking that in the, the second year, the third year of the business, I was thinking I really wanted to expand. So that's when I started hiring like five more people <laughs> and we didn't make enough sales to cover the cost. So I had to let most of the people go. And that I kind of learned from that, that, you know, I need to plan ahead a little bit better before hiring someone. And also it's really, really hard to let someone go. So Mm. unless I'm really sure that I want to hire them, just try to negotiate like a a longer probation period in the beginning in order to see whether, you know, you two are a good match and if you can afford to pay for that person. And if you feel, you know, that works, is worth the salary that you pay them. You know, when you're bootstrapping, I feel like you just have to count every penny and make sure that every dollar you spend is worth it. Another thing that I look out for as well is also I want to find people who have a growth mindset, who is not afraid to learn new things. Because I feel like a lot of people, especially people who are older, if Sometimes they're kind of stuck in what they know and they don't really want to learn new things. So I try to look for people who really want to learn new things, especially with, because we're a small team. You know, one person, I, w- I might want them to do like three different roles and I would love if they would be open to learning and they would love to learn new things because we would pay for the courses for them. 
So that's something that, you know, moving forward is something that I really want to do just from the mistakes that I've made with, you know, past hiring. And how have you, outside of the growth mindset, how do you ensure that the person you're hiring is aligned to the vision and the goal that you have for the happiness planner? Yeah, so I tend to, you know, they have to be the people that I could see they would be our target market. You know, they're already into personal development in their own personal lives before coming on board. You know, they they kind of live and breathe our philosophy already. So, yeah, that's something that I, you know, I make sure, I have to make sure that they're the people that like personally have the same values as us. And has there ever been a point in the seven years that you've been doing the Happiness Planner where you felt like it wasn't moving forward or you were concerned about whether it was growing at the pace that you wanted it to? Yeah, so the business itself has been around for four, almost five years. I would say we had a peak because our product went viral in 2016-17. So that, that was pretty quick, you know, because we launched in 2015. And then it had a dip basically at 2018 and at the end of 2017. And that's when I I had to basically take a look at our competitors and the market and try to redefine what exactly we are. Because uh, when we first launched, we were like one of the, like there were not many inspirational brands out there that were doing planners and journals. And now there's so many. And there's so many wellness apps as well. So now we have to be even more niche and more unique. So I had to kind of redefine basically our positioning and, and decided that we are going to focus on helping people manage their own in, internal self and, you know, helping people become happy, whole and fulfilled. And that's how we are different from the other planner brands out there that might just focus on achieving goals and being productive or just following your passion because we're really focusing on like the inner work of like mm. self-management. How can we be better and how can we not be too destructive when we're not, when we're stressed, you know, for example, um, that's something that I feel like the market is lacking and that's where we feel in. Yeah. There's, I, there's definitely a lot of brands focusing on, hitting the goals and the targets, but not necessarily on the importance of your own happiness and how you feel about yourself and how you're managing your own emotions. So yeah, I definitely agree. That's definitely one of the ways that you stood out in the market. Um, and it's so important as either aspiring entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that we really assess the market because like you said, you went viral and then it dipped and then you saw an influx of other inspirational products entering the market and then you've had to reassess how you fit in the marketplace and what what value do you bring that they necessarily don't yeah so yeah. one of the things you've mentioned that you're really really good at is marketing and you have amassed a very loyal following on social media sites for the happiness planner which I'm sure has contributed to the success of the Happiness Planner, having being able to turn followers into customers. Um, what do you think has been key in your branding strategy that's enabled the Happiness Planner to be as successful and to amass such a loyal following online? 
Yeah, I would say in the beginning, you know, there were not many planner brands out there. And I wanted to design something that like, it's like a workbook that you could get from your therapist, but it's very pretty, you know, Mm. so that's what the happiness planner was. And I think that's how it became successful initially, because it's pretty. It's not kind of embarrassing to carry around, you know, like if you were to carry a book from your therapist and it just looks really normal or mediocre. And also just, I feel like our customers really believe in our purpose Mm -hmm. and we are really genuine and really authentic in our branding. We're not really focusing on at least, you know, like, I mean, we do need to focus on, you know, making making sales otherwise the business is not going to survive but that's not our key driver you know mm-hmm. we we really just focusing on creating value for people and I think people can feel that yeah you're absolutely right I mean consumers know at least most consumers know when something's really just being done for the sake of it versus when there is authenticity and some sort of genuine desire to add value to our lives really so we you are absolutely we do we do know that one of the things that I wanted to go back to is your own personal journey in personal development how have you sort of grown that interest and that enthusiasm for personal development self-management since you were nine ten years old having first experienced it through the lens of your dad you know I said when I was a kid I always wanted to be the best I could be somehow, I was always very self-driven and self-motivated. But I would say the first moment that I kind of learned about changing your perception and like changing how you feel by changing your thoughts is, you know, when I had arguments with my mom and, and my mom and I are very different and she's very conservative and very strict. So when I was a kid, it, it was a, it was quite a struggle, you know, trying to, to be myself and, you know, to make her happy when we are so different, you know, it's just really hard. And my dad helped me get through that by kind of helping me see things from a different perspective Mm -hmm. and rewire the way, like, you know, change my perception, you know, as to how I view what my mom's saying or what she wants me to do. And just, and that was just something that I learned and realize that I, yeah, I can actually practice this, you know, I can mm. practice being more patient, I can practice being more understanding, I can practice putting myself in other people's shoes. And, you know, by doing that over and over and over, eventually, it starts to be normal. And I mm. apply that same theory to pretty much everything, you know, like, no matter what it is, like, the first time it's going to be feel foreign to you. But then when you do it repeatedly, it starts to be natural to you. So that that was like the first journey. And then also like I had to go through my own other things as well. You know, like I was a fat kid. I had to lose weight. And then like I had, you know, had to see therapists. I had some eating disorders. It's just Mm. a lot of things that I had to go through. And it just got me really into like trying to understand myself, which helped me understand other people, you know. And reading a ton of psychology books makes me realize that like, you know, we all just like humans are the same, you know, like the human nature is the same. It's just the way that the mind's programmed, you know, the way we've been brought up that's different. But the nature of human behavior is the same. And that's just really fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. That's really incredible. And thank you for sharing 
that with us, that journey of how you've navigated your own personal self-development. I think for me, like you, I've always been, I was always the kid that was really interested in personal self-development. I think I started listening to Les Brown when I was like 12 or something like that. So I've always been, I always had that sort of pouring into me and a massive fan of the Tony Robbins of this world as well. So, and that has really, that has really kept me grounded in my journey, just Mm -hmm. in life as an individual. And because like you said, it's so important that we sort of configure our own perspective and we look at things differently. The journey as an individual is incredibly challenging. There are a lot of challenges that come up in the world. And as an entrepreneur, that's the same thing. And whether that's, you know, building a business or trying to do very well in your normal nine to five job, there is a lot that comes with that. And I think there is a lot of value in looking into personal development, but also applying it to the way that you live. I don't think I would be in the positions that I'm in now had I not been exposed to personal development from a very young age. I'm going to ask you five questions and if you just let me know your first idea or response around that. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So could you share with us a software um, resource or app that's helped with your business that you'd recommend? Dropbox. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I use it for everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What's a personal habit that has helped you in life and business? No, I, I would say being self-driven. Is that a habit? Just constantly learning, reading. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Opening yourself up to learning new things. I would definitely yeah. attest to that. Yeah. Um, what's one book or podcast or event that has helped you significantly in the past year? In the past, well, uh, this, I, this past year I listened to, well, I would say I like Mind Valley podcast. Yeah. I would say that I've been listening to that podcast. <laughs> Great. What's one lesson you have learned the past year that's helped with your professional and or personal development? Uh, past few years or past year? The past year. The past year. I learned, I would just say that nothing is certain. Just try to live in the moment and do your best. Although it's mm. kind of hard to not, you know, worry about the future. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what's one word of advice you would share with women who are looking to cultivate their own thriving careers? You just have to try to find people who've been on that path or are on that path and connect with them so that every day you can wake up and feel like you've found your tribe and you feel more motivated to pursue your calling. Thanks for listening to Work Thrive, the podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts as it allows other entrepreneurial women like yourselves to find the show. Speak soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.